Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Prasanna Krishnamurthy, who is a co-founder and the partner of Upeka, which is a B2B SaaS accelerator that helps them get to a place of predictable, scalable, profitable growth. He's worked with dozens of companies with this accelerator in the last three years or so. Prior to that, he was at the Microsoft Accelerator and also had his own company. In this episode, we go through all things B2B SaaS, how to grow a company, how to create a flywheel that really does help accelerate your growth from going from tens of thousands of dollars in, in recurring revenue to millions of dollars in recurring revenue. And we go through all the insights from Pasana in his career that he's gained and uses with these startup founders in the B2B SaaS space to really help them scale their companies. Such a great, insightful episode for startup founders. And I'm so excited for you to listen. As always, the show notes are justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over an Apple podcast, and of course, the Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter filled with different tips, tools, and strategies for growing a business, different companies I'm finding, different side hustle ideas, all of that and more can be found at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Without further ado, here's Prasanna, the partner and co-founder of Upeka. Prasanna, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you today? Good, 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 good. Good to have you on here and talking about all things B2B SaaS and growing SaaS companies. And you obviously have so much experience with this as well, which is why I was excited to have you on the show, talk about this and provide your insight. And you're at the Microsoft Accelerator in a number of different places. What, I'm just curious from the starting point, like what sparked your interest in, in entrepreneurship in, in building B2B companies? I'm curious about that. Right. So uh, the entrepreneurship bit actually uh, is probably a bug from my dad. So he was a <laughs> professor of computer science, uh, but he was always doing this software on the side, uh, different kinds of software, uh, educational software, and he would try to uh, sell it. He made a bunch of things. Uh, this is like uh, probably 1990, early 1990. Uh, so that's probably where I got the bug. Uh, the B2B thing is uh, probably from around 2005 uh, when I... Uh, kind of felt that selling to businesses is a little more, uh, how should I put it, straightforward uh, right. than selling to consumers. Uh, businesses seem to be a little more rational and uh, logical. So it felt easier for me to sell to businesses than to sell to consumers. With that too then, I know you had your own venture before you ended up going to Microsoft Accelerator. Can you tell me about the earlier ventures you, you were working on, things you had founded prior to going to then uh, helping with the Microsoft Accelerator? Right. So the first one was a uh, network security product in uh, you know 2005 to 2011. I was one of the very early employees, uh, joined as a developer, but quickly realized that uh, everybody was a developer in the room. Everybody was a uh, technology uh, expert, and uh, we weren't really selling the product. So I literally got out of the building, uh, got the first couple of uh, customers. Both of them were my friends. And uh, we built that uh, for about five and a half years, uh, sold the IP successfully to another company, but uh, we never made enough revenue to break out of that, uh, really break out and become a very large company. So that was the first one. Uh, second yeah. one uh, was a bootstrap company. So this time we decided, that me and a friend of mine decided that, you know, we'd bootstrap and, uh, you know, figure out the market first and so on. And we got to about 35,000 pounds in revenue. This was to the UK market. Uh, but this was around 2011-12. So uh, th- the colleges in the UK were not doing very well because of the austerity measures after uh, the 2008 financial crash, right? Yeah. So uh, we kind of uh, wound that down. And uh, that's when I joined Amazon first, uh, my first uh, real job, if you will, in a large <laughs> uh, MNC as a product manager. And then I joined uh, the Microsoft Accelerator when uh, a friend of mine whose startup was in the Microsoft Accelerator and I was helping them out. So he told me, hey, I'm in the Microsoft Accelerator now, but uh, you know, you would make a very good mentor, uh, very good addition to the Microsoft Accelerator. So I started mentoring there, and then uh, when one of the people there was leaving, uh, he asked me to join them instead of his uh, in his role. And so with that Microsoft Accelerator, tell me about some of the things you were doing with them. And I definitely want to get into, obviously, your, your Accelerator then, uh, and leading into that. But with with the Microsoft Accelerator as well, what were some of the things you, you were doing to help startups at that time? So... Uh, b- when the Microsoft Accelerator was first set up, it was for very early stage startups. 
so like really idea stage kind of a thing so the person before me was a hands on developer uh, but by the time uh, the third cohort rolled around uh, they were working with much later stage startups so they wanted to these were startups which already had initial revenue for example uh, so they wanted people who could help with both product and growth and not just be a hands on uh, developer so that's why they got me because i had done i had been a product manager in amazon i had done my own startups uh, we had gotten to some scale uh, so the idea was that i would come in there and help uh, founders find a better product market fit and also be able to do uh, you know the take the initial steps towards growth because uh, in bangalore in india uh, pretty much all the founders of tech companies have been uh, developers or product managers or on the technical side of things for the most part uh, but you know not as many people on the growth side so the idea was help them with product help them with uh, market product market fit and help them with growth that was the role that from, i came into from that experience just curious how many different like, startups were you working with or companies were you helping like at that time in those 3 years you were there uh so we did six cohorts of startups in the microsoft accelerator when i was there uh, i guess cohort 4 through cohort 9 uh each cohort had between 10 to 16 startups so i saw about uh, uh 60 startups in the microsoft accelerator itself and then i helped uh, set up uh, a couple of partner accelerators one in mumbai run by a company called reliance they've been in the news recently another one by a university uh, near delhi and a third one also in uh, mumbai so between all the three partner accelerators and microsoft i worked with about 10 or 11 cohorts of startups uh, totaling to about 120 startups that's awesome and i definitely wanted to ask to give that that context for people listening to understand how many different companies you've seen you've worked with for for context as we're leading into your accelerator so take me through how you ended up starting upeka your own your own accelerator so uh you know so the the the, the deal with my wife uh before i uh, <laughs> joined amazon <laughs> after my second startup was that i would uh, start up again in uh, say 4 to 5 years right and you know once an entrepreneur <laughs> once the bug bites you it's hard to uh, work for the man right <laughs> yeah uh, and uh, microsoft was awesome um, amazon was awesome as well i learned a lot Uh, but the issue is always there so i started uh, around uh, two and a half years after i joined microsoft uh, three and a half years into my uh, working class uh, working man uh, life i started uh, talking to my uh, mentors and peers trying to figure out what next and so uh, one of the things that came out is that uh, you know b2b startups especially b2b saas startups uh, were going to do really really well in uh, uh, in the next 5 10 15 20 years and uh, the idea was uh, if we can do something from for them from an ecosystem perspective uh, is there something that i can do that uh, has not been done before uh, which uh, delivers enormous value to these founders and if i can do that then uh, you know there's a way, there are ways for me to uh, build that into a successful model right? uh, so i spoke to a lot of people spoke to a lot of people um and uh, what came out is just a very very narrowly focused uh, accelerator for b2b saas startups alone uh, and the value of death for b2b saas startups is typically between a $50,000 in annual revenue and say you know million dollars in annual revenue uh, that's where a lot of b2b startups uh, saas startups get stuck and so uh, if we could develop frameworks if we could do stuff to intervene there and uh, help them survive that and get past that and uh, when they hit a million if they're growing uh, say 30% year on year or 50% year on year or ideally 100% year on year then they're going to become a very very sizable business with the accelerator too when you're first getting started especially and there's a lot to to organize and gather I, i imagine like what is the business model you kind of initially launched with in terms of like making this an actual business for for you as well yeah so so that's interesting so one of the mentors i had uh, he's a, a serial entrepreneur Uh, his uh, startup uh, that he started uh, called Fusion Charts in uh, literally in the year 2001. Uh, uh, he just sold it last uh, this year, uh, six oh, months wow. ago, eight months ago, uh, and he's done multiple startups in the meantime. Uh, so I, when I spoke to him, uh, so you know, in an accelerator, uh, he said, um, if you want to prove your product market fit, if you believe that you can add value to founders. then his suggestion was that i should be able to do it without giving founders money so what he said was look if you give money to founders uh, 
you essentially are competing with angel investors in some way number one number two yeah. you don't know whether the founders are coming to you for the money or your advice so he said prove to me that you know founders will come to you for your advice and that it works <laughs> and then you know money adding money on top of that as a layer is easy right so he said that and then so the other side of it is that for an accelerator typically the highest costs are the uh, space um the investment that they make into companies and the people of course right so what we decided to do was uh, not have a space at all uh not invest into the companies so all we needed to do was fund ourselves uh, for a while while we help these startups and uh, once we came into the model what i told him is look if you believe that i can do this and if you are pushing me to do this without giving startups money then i want you on board i want you to invest into upeka itself and uh, help us get a runway so that we can try this out and uh, get upeka as an accelerator for b2b startups to a product market fit uh, so you have to come on board so at that point uh, you know it was his idea right <laughs> uh, to not give money so he had to join and uh, work with us to do this um, as a mentor and as a stakeholder in upeka for for that then for upeka how are you getting your first kind of group of of people to to find out about you then and obviously you know use your advice essentially for for this accelerator how are you finding those people initially right so uh, you know the, the good part is i had already built somewhat of a brand um as a person who was very blunt and uh, you know was a, a bit um, so my bio says on linkedin uh, bullshit detector uh, <laughs> so <laughs> one of the things that happened in our first startup is we had a lot of mentors who were really really good mentors and who were really really uh, uh very nice to us and very kind to us and uh, didn't call us out on our bullshit so we kept believing our own uh, bullshit our own uh, drinking our own Kool-Aid uh, until it was too late right so what yeah. i decided to do was uh, make sure that you know i would be more blunt with founders and uh, so that gave me a bit of a brand as and in the b2b saas space uh i uh, helped um, you know set up one of the first events in india um, did a bunch of stuff uh, so know most of the uh, founders in uh, the space and so two of the startups out of the first five uh, were uh, people i had worked with in the past and the other couple uh, of startups that came in uh, in true saas fashion we said hey this is a free trial so you can try this out <laughs> and if you like this uh, you know you can stay and if you don't like it if it doesn't work for you Uh, you can move on with those first number of different startups then what were they going through in terms of what what was this program at that time like what i mean was it like a, a six week thing a 12 week thing and structured with meetings every every week like what was the structure kind of with those first uh, group of people so because it was the first group of people we weren't sure uh, like how long it would take so the goal was for us to take people at around say $10,000 uh in mrr and help them get to say 50000 or 80000 dollars in mrr right and so our expectation was that yeah. it would take couple of years it wouldn't be overnight right uh and we wanted to help them do this in a capital efficient manner so that they actually stay in control of their business uh so what we said is look we will make this uh, sweet for you so you pay us a baseline equity uh some equity up front uh, but most of the equity that we earn we will actually get it on the outcomes and real actual mrr right and so that's how we started off uh, with folks and the design was a two year program um where the first six months we would essentially meet every six weeks uh, for a week uh, in the offices of successful saas startups so we literally be as upeka didn't have any space but we would borrow beg borrow space from uh, <laughs> the larger saas startups around us love it and uh, run it in their conference rooms So with that then what was that so every 6 weeks you're meeting with these founders you're doing this for 2 years with this kind of first group I mean how did that go as as you're going through this first group of of founders how how did it end up going for you Right so uh what we knew was that you know there is a initial uh flywheel that needs to be built for SaaS startups and if you build that flywheel where uh you know if you build that machine where if you put in a dollar and you're able to get out more than a dollar ideally 2 dollars or 3 dollars or 5 dollars then you can scale it uh, fairly systematically but finding that initial flywheel requires a lot of domain expertise a deep understanding of the problem uh, a very good understanding of what the value of solving the problem is for your end customer uh, empathy with the customer to be able to sell it to the first set of initial customers 
and uh, marketing and sales and everything right so to build that flywheel essentially in a saas startup you need all functions you not just one you need marketing you need sales you need uh, customer success you need uh, product you need technology you need support you need everything in place and uh, such that that flywheel is spinning faster and faster and the customers you get uh, become your champions and refer more customers to you so what we started doing with those first four startups was uh, exactly that we started helping them fine tune each of these pieces and uh, the first uh, one of the startups that came in at around uh, i think uh, $15000 in uh, monthly recurring revenue uh, they made some pricing changes and some positioning changes and some parts of their flywheel started uh, clicking and uh, they were the first to hit a uh, million dollars in arr uh, fairly quickly i think in 18 or 22 months wow and the other startups started seeing uh, you know an increase in their uh, in the in the in the way they uh, an improvement in the way that they were able to price the product they were able to start seeing that you know customers valued the product more uh, and uh, they started getting uh, leads and customers in a more uh, steady manner if you will uh, month on month and they were able to start uh, within about uh i'd say about 12 months from when they started and this was the first cohort so we were still figuring out the program with them uh, within about 12 months they really had uh you know they were able to plan uh, a month or three months at a time rather than just live week to week uh from a business perspective right so that's when we knew that the flywheel was there and uh, after that it was a matter of uh, improving the different parts of the flywheel uh, one after the other with all these different options people have for for creating that fireball effect and different levers they can pull in theory to make that happen how do you help founders prioritize which things they should do in their business or what are you looking for to decide on you know let's I'll start with this area then this area i mean i'm curious about that side of things too yeah so uh, we use uh, something called the theory of constraints uh, there's this amazing book called the goal uh, by a, a uh, author called eliahu goldrat uh so essentially what it says is uh, think of your business like a chain right so if you think of a chain uh, a chain is only as strong as the weakest link and so if you uh, have a metal chain metal link chain and uh, uh, there is one weak link at any point in time if you add if you make all the other links stronger it still doesn't make the chain strong right? right so you have to find out what is the weakest link what is the bottleneck in your business and that is the uh, lever that you have to first strengthen right so we do this uh, essentially iteratively we help founders find what is the current bottleneck in your business uh, apply the frameworks that we have developed for saas uh, figure out what levers can you use to improve that bottleneck uh, the moment you solve that bottleneck then something else becomes a bottleneck something else becomes a weakest link so then you move right. on to improving that and the idea is that while this is all towards building the flywheel so you have to be very focused that you're building the same flywheel for the same set of customers same type of customers and uh, uh, from our experience and expertise what we know is that uh, you know in a saas business in a b2b saas business of a certain kind uh, there is a particular order in which this kind of makes sense is that order the same for everybody it's, it's not but for an smb uh, global uh, market where the customers are smbs from anywhere around the world uh, you know they all behave similarly to some degree uh, for enterprises in the us and if you're selling them something at say $50000 they all behave somewhat similarly there's no point in uh, you know going too far from that uh, flywheel in most cases uh, and if you're able to build those pieces in that order then uh, that flywheel is achieved much much faster with that first group and obviously seeing the success of you know one going from 10 or 15 and and MRR and getting to that that million dollar mark ARR like how did you evolve the program then obviously you had some validation then from that how did the program change like how did your accelerator change from that after seeing this uh, successes early on yeah so uh, out of the first four all four are now cash flow positive month on month uh one of them is that uh, almost uh, uh, they had hit about 4 million dollars in arr uh, uh, just before covid uh, they're a little down now but uh, still uh, much well above a million uh, another is at uh, 2 million uh, another is at uh, uh, 1 1.8 uh, and the fourth one is at about uh, 800000 now right uh, so 
but but you have to understand that this is all like two and a half years after they started <laughs> right right took some time clearly right, right. yeah uh, yeah so uh, now we have changed the program because what we learned is that you know that initial flywheel construction is what has to be the focus for the founders uh, in b2b saas so if that is the focus and we've like really made the program a lot crisper in terms of focusing towards building that uh just the flywheel and uh, all the way from the uh icp the uh, ideal customer persona uh, to the positioning to the selling to the customer success to the support to uh, product and tech and everything if it's aligned to create that flywheel then after that you know uh, things become much easier so the program now has become essentially uh, two parts within that so the first 6 months is about focusing on the flywheel so it could be 6 months or 9 months or 12 months for different people uh, but we are we are only taking people for that first thing saying hey let us help you build a flywheel and if we are able to help you build a flywheel then uh, the hardest part of building a b2b saas company is done and after that we are moving people into a new program uh, where we are essentially helping them build scalable growth after that right uh so that's uh, the second uh, part of the program which uh, we are separating those into two parts so i don't know my kid yeah. just barged in i don't know that you'd hear him or not oh, it's okay <laughs> this is just life this is it's totally okay this is life in yeah. covid with that then so you have two separate parts now you're you're kind of using with founders and trying to get that flywheel for the first part and then after they've gotten that there's a whole different obviously set of challenges but going back to that flywheel that you mentioned you're spending you know six Six months plus potentially helping yep. companies with with that. Yep. Take me through what that looks like for a company when they come in and start working with you. Because I'm I'm curious on that, especially for other you know B two B SaaS companies listening. You know what that might look like and what are some things they should be looking for within that. Right. So uh, what we've done is uh, so so actually uh, what we start with is uh, a session called uh, cognitive biases of founders. so what we found is that most of the time uh, bottleneck in uh, you know fixing your business in to f- in fixing your flywheel <laughs> is actually in the founders heads right <laughs> uh, and uh, it's the it's a you need a mindset of abundance you need a mindset of uh, being able to change things you need a growth mindset you need to be able to work with people you need to be able to understand uh, what mistakes you are making uh, before you can start looking at the outside world so literally we uh, spend a the first day first couple few days uh helping founders look at the biases that uh he- hold them back and uh, cause them to make some mistakes in the past and uh, including with their co-founders so that's literally the first thing we do and once we uh, do that then we start asking them to look at what is the customer persona that they're looking at and what is the problem value that they are solving for them uh so typically uh, what happens is in many cases they would have evolved towards that and their vision for what they wanted to build versus what customers were willing to pay for versus what customers were willing to uh, pay for which problem to solve all of these you know get muddled uh, for many founders uh, as they kind of iterate their product and their positioning and all of that stuff so we really ask them to talk to a lot of customers to find out exactly what problem they're solving and in a b2b context uh, we help them to role plays with uh, previous cohort founders uh the previous cohort founders might be able to connect them to existing uh, their existing customers or their prospects uh for these founders to talk to and so on and so forth right so that's kind of the uh, really the uh, beginning saying hey in a b2b saas context if you're not solving a large enough problem uh for your customers if you're not solving a problem that is urgent and important and has a lot of money um uh, stuck because that problem is not solved then you know rest of it is uh, much 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 harder and so we start with that uh, then we help them iterate on that and then we literally have a list of 18 inflection points uh, for a b2b saas company and uh, we help them understand what those inflection points are and now we have uh, literally you know 50 examples of uh, startups that are in various stages of going through those inflection points so the idea is that you know the inflection point is very abstract but when you actually hear a founder who's been through that inflection point talk about it saying how did it feel before the inflection point or do you feel after that inflection point then it becomes extremely uh, relatable and something actionable right uh, so having been founders ourselves uh, having done startups ourselves uh, 
for us the goal for every interaction that we have with the founder is that at the end of that day uh, whatever they've heard they should be able to put it into action and it should move their uh, startup incrementally forward you mentioned some of those inflection points not you don't have to obviously mention every single one of them specifically but i'm curious as to what what some of those would be or what are some of the ones that people would typically see when looking at that right so uh, one of the easy ones to understand is uh, getting to a net negative revenue churn uh what that means is that if you get a cohort of customers they have to pay you more over time uh so in a b2c context uh, you know this is like apple making you pay uh you know 100 dollars for an ipod uh, uh, nano or a mini when it first came out and now you're suddenly after like 5 years or 10 years you're paying them 1200 dollars for a <laughs> iphone mega max or whatever it is right right uh, so it's kind of like that right but in the b2b context uh, how do you make sure that every uh, month or every quarter or every year uh, the set of customers you got last year are paying you more over time right uh, so now this means that your pricing has to be sorted which means that you have to have some kind of value based pricing uh, some kind of consumption based pricing such that you know when uh, your customers are happy with your product they're consuming more they're getting more value out of your product and therefore they're able to pay you more over time uh another inflection point could be when uh i'm telling you a few of the later inflection points another yeah. one could be uh you know when you start getting referrals from customers so uh, when you get referrals from customers ideally uh, customers of the same type so your customer is referring to you another customer of the same type uh, that's when you know that your product quality from a nps perspective is actually working right uh, your product not only has uh worked for them but it's worked in a way where they're able to uh communicate the value of the product to someone else and that person uh, then wants to buy the product and is ready to pay you to buy that product right so that then sets up the both of these if you have in a b2b saas business and this is the tail end of the inflection points uh then you know that you have the flywheel in place because if both of these happen Uh, then your cost of acquisition of a new customer essentially for a referral customer is nearly zero and your existing customers pay you more and more over time um, so with a very very small injection of capital you can start making this flywheel spin faster and faster uh, so given these two are the end points uh, we have a whole set of inflection points that have to be achieved before this and it's all iterative it's not just one shot you one and done it's you do you do a little bit then the bottleneck moves you change that you fix that then it moves a little bit it moves a little bit uh, but it's kind of like uh, you know being in love right so once the f- entire flywheel starts moving uh, together then it's like magic uh, but until then you're just like pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and you don't know whether it's working or not and in b2b everything has a lag right if you have uh, business customers they're not going to buy within like few minutes they take hours days months to decide whether to buy from you or refer for you and so on and so forth so uh managing that uh, sense of uh, keeping that sense of urgency as a founder while uh, maintaining your balance uh, over a long enough period of time uh, to build that flywheel i think that's one of the critical uh, behavioral mindset shifts that a founder needs to make uh, if they want to be successful in b2b saas Yeah and with with Upeka as you've you know grown this the last 3 years or so what have you personally then learned as you've been going through this process of helping companies because clearly you came in with you know tremendous amount of knowledge from the Microsoft accelerator and having worked with a lot of companies and then you had learnings from the early companies you worked with and now at least based on the website at 48 startups um over these 3 years like what have you learned from this kind of process of of helping B2B companies grow right So uh one is that uh, the B2B SaaS market is uh, going to be much much larger than anybody is imagining. Um uh, when I started off I thought okay there'll be a few thousand startups few you know a few maybe a dozen or two dozen thousand startups in B2B SaaS. Now uh, I I have a I work with a startup which is making a point of sale device uh, point of sale software for dry cleaners alone. <laughs> right? Uh all those niches then too yeah. yes exactly right riches and uh, niches right uh, so i work with another startup which does a, a erp crm is what you would call it right but it's really a business uh, operation software for dietitians and nutritionists right 
and uh, interestingly after covid uh, the dietitians and nutritionists are much in demand now and yeah. uh, the software allows them to work uh, completely remotely uh, the software allows them to run their business online and uh, it's taken off uh, in a big way right uh so all of these folks are going to be making uh, literally millions of dollars and they're going to be adding uh, tens of millions of dollars of value to their customers if not hundreds of millions of dollars to their customers and uh, if founders uh, can build these businesses equity efficiently uh, where they own most of the equity they make most of the decisions at the end of the day uh, they are going to become extremely rich they're going to have uh, very good financial outcomes for both the employees of these companies and the founders of these companies uh, so if you had asked me that's one lesson uh, in the last 3 uh, years another lesson has been that uh, once you get to uh, you know so i so i read a lot of i i i used to and i still read a lot of blogs and uh, unfortunately you know most of the information outside Uh, is actually from vc funded startups and uh, you yeah. know uh, they talk about how you can uh, get to 100 million uh, and uh, you know anything less is uh, <laughs> uh, let's say looked down upon right <laughs> yeah. and uh, so it's all about how you can triple triple and double double and then get to 100 million and so on and so forth and i i drank that kool-aid and i used to think you know a good saas startup will uh, triple every year kind of thing right and then i figured out uh, much later that uh, you know if you triple for a couple of years you're probably headed for an ipo you're probably in the 0.01% of uh, saas yeah exactly uh, so that was another realization so uh, we kind of uh, realized that you know shooting for that kind of a target essentially also sets you up for a lot of failure uh, what we realize is that uh, folks who are tripling uh, even if they triple in say you know 18 months the, the organization uh, having to grow that much Uh, because in saas in b2b saas enterprise saas every org needs to grow right you, you can't uh, not grow your customer success uh, or you can't not grow your marketing org if you want to continue growing 3x and that puts a huge amount of strain on the uh, systems in the company and uh, it's very very difficult for founders to grow their businesses uh, 3x year on year for multiple years um so what we realized is that uh, if a business is growing above 50% uh, year on year after they cross a million uh, and uh, if they have net negative revenue churn and if they have uh, referrals then that business is going to head uh, you know way above 10 million and uh, if the founders are able to do that again equity efficiently then they're going to become extremely rich right Uh, and it's better for the founders to do it a little slowly with less chance of the organization breaking down of them having a stress breakdown or a burnout of them selling too much of equity in the pursuit of the 3x growth rather than the let's say 1.8x growth right uh, causes a lot of failures right and those failures are extremely expensive for founders uh, so we figured out that you know shooting for a, a 2x growth at a million is like probably reduces the risk by 70% 80% With the things you've learned over over the years, I, I'm I'm want to dig into this a little bit deeper with helping these companies grow because I mean that's what every company is trying to do. Right? Every, growth is everything, and I understand you know you're saying these the venture back startups. Some of these are very unrealistic in terms of their growth numbers and what they're trying to hit. But from a more of a practical standpoint, then for the companies you're working with and helping them uh, grow as a B two B SaaS company, a big part of that is obviously customer acquisition. So on that on that side of it like what are some things whether it be on the, the advertising things or just uh other other ways of acquiring customers that you've 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 talked to founders, you've seen being successful, um anything on kind of that customer acquisition side of things. Yeah. So uh we basically believe that the best uh, form of customer acquisition is through your existing customers. So if you're not getting referrals, uh either it's a structural issue in the market or your product is not good enough so if your product is good enough you should be getting referrals that's the lowest cost customer acquisition channel the yeah. moment you get referrals then you can start looking for your second uh, channel that can get you new customers right so it, i mean in the context of uh, you know looking at a geography as a market let's say you get new york customers and your new york customers refer you to more new york customers and you know that once you got have 5 uh, or 10 uh, customers in a geography you will get more so then you might find some paid channels or other channels to get into a chicago market or a uh, sf market or a la market right uh, so that's the way we kind of look at it 
now if you take uh, ish uh, who was on your podcast a little while ago yeah. uh, so if you take ish right so he's always had uh, really good referrals uh, many of the uh, uh, and this was this used to be a little confusing because uh, when we used to look at the statistics there used to be some uh, new users who would just sign up uh, sign in uh, swipe their credit cards all within an hour <laughs> and we'd be like who are these people who are coming in and not doing a trial and just buying this product like right. what are they where are they from like where are we getting them from and we used to, we used to be like really head scratcher right yeah. then after speaking to them we figured out that either they had worked in a company that had used tars before or they had been referred by somebody who had used tars before and those were the folks who converted the fastest they had no doubts they had seen the product before they just come in sign up swipe their credit card pay and then start using the product or they ask for help to use the product because they may not have used the back end of the product right uh so that's really the best channel of customer acquisition uh, the second best channel of customer acquisition uh, for a company which is uh, you know headed by developers which has uh, developers as co-founders or founders is uh, what is called as engineering as marketing in the traction book uh, by Gabe Weinberg so if you can build something that can get you more leads uh as a tool uh, and the canonical example is uh the website grader by hubspot uh, if you can do that then it just continues to pay you dividends over a very long period of time and uh, so most of the founders that i work with uh, uh, most of the teams that i worked with uh, are 80% developers in many cases right so it's easier to say look your product is not selling uh so why don't you just have one of your developers work on a something on a tool on a a piece of code on a you know web app or mobile app whatever it is that can get you some more leads rather than yeah. uh, keep them working on a feature which nobody's going to use and so it takes a few times uh, before the message sinks in uh, but if they're actually able to do that then uh, it becomes a gift that keeps on giving right and uh, typically these founders are able to hire engineers m- more easily than marketers so <laughs> uh, building these kind of tools that can get you more leads is uh, always uh, very valuable and again uh, very uh, capital efficient very equity efficient right because many of your competitors in that same space may not have that many engineers may not have that many developers so they may not be able to build these kind of tools that help your customers in very very meaningful ways so this is not we're not talking about gimmicky kind of things right we're talking about stuff that adds real value in their lives in your customers lives going back to upeka for a, a bit now too how has this changed especially like looking at now as you you know you validated and everything is, uh, through the last 3 years the business model now of upeka and how are you acquiring customers in terms of people for the actual accelerator uh nowadays in 2020 i'm curious yeah so we are super expensive right we cost uh, anywhere between 4% of equity to 9% of equity and we also take a rev share uh, up to 3% of uh, revenue share uh after some milestones so the only way that a founder will be convinced that they should join upeka is if they actually hear another founder say man you should just do this right yeah uh there's no other way that they're going to do this so uh, we essentially believe that the only way founders will join us is through word of mouth so that is yeah. our number one uh channel right uh referrals word of mouth so what we do is every founder who applies to the program and the program is uh, applications are open till uh, you know august 16th uh, the first thing that they we make them do is talk to another founder in a previous cohort and say whatever questions you have about the program please ask them they've been through the program uh, you can ask them whatever you want and if you like it then we can take you to the next stage of the program uh, but parallelly uh, our previous cohort founders are actually evaluating these founders for fit with the tribe because we want people who will be additive to the community right we want people who will be good citizens in the community uh, we want people who will actually add value to the community and also uh, be a, get people who want to learn from the community because uh, you know some founders uh, are mature enough to understand that they don't know everything and they need to learn from others right. uh, so we want to filter out fo- folks who don't uh, think that way right so literally the first stage is talk to our founders and then the second stage and the third stage are uh, you know conversations with us uh, but having said that that word of mouth uh, can happen only after a founder knows about us so the top of the funnel for us is where we published a basecamp 
uh, guide on how do you get your first $10,000 in uh, SaaS flywheel revenue. Uh, we publish all our frameworks. Uh, we actually do a lot of workshops uh, for other incubators and accelerators uh, where they have early stage founders, uh, one hour, 90 minute, uh, two hour kind of workshops uh, where we help people with pricing and so on and so forth so that they learn about us and uh, also understand that we are uh, all the things that we do are extremely actionable, right? extremely uh, mm, incremental value add immediate uh, kind of a thing. Right? So that's the top of the funnel for us where people learn about us. And then the bottom of the funnel conversion is through word of mouth. With that too, then you mentioned the pricing. Obviously, you mentioned being being costly. It's not not cheap at all when you're looking at giving away the, the equity you mentioned as, as well as potential uh, rev share as well. How did you get to that pricing, that decision, and what you were going to charge for Rupeka? I'm really curious about that too. Yeah. So actually, we started pricing first, right? So the thought process is, is that if we can help a founder get from, let's say, uh, their business is valued at say a million dollars when they're at say $10,000 MRR. Uh, if we can help them get to a million dollars and uh, that then becomes a $10 million uh, uh, valuation or a you know $20 million valuation, then we should earn 10% of that. Yeah. Right? So we should earn 10% of equity for uh, being able to have helped with that. So that was a starting point really where we want to be like a late co-founder, like uh, somebody who's helped really uh, meaningfully in the business and so uh, that is the starting point for us uh, the second side of it is uh, if we are able to help founders be more capital efficient and this is a real example i won't name the company sure. uh, but essentially they burnt 25 uh, percent of equity uh, which they sold for say six hundred and fifty thousand dollars uh, to get to their first uh, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of uh, arr and that took them about uh, four years. Uh, working with us, they have only burnt the equity which they've given us, uh, which is in the 4 to 9% range. And they've added $600,000 or uh, actually $800,000 of MRR, uh, sorry, ARR, <laughs> right? Yeah. And they are profitable month on month. Quite the difference. <laughs> right? Quite so the out difference, of the 25% yeah. of equity that they burnt, they've only given us uh, one-fourth of that, say. Right. No, it's, right? it's, it's such a huge value add. Right. So now their equity, even if you, if, let's say they're at a million dollars now, right? The valuation of that business, if they just do a PE exit, is comfortably uh, $3 million, right? Just a PE exit on just the cash flow bit. But from a strategic perspective, it might be worth $15 million or $20 million. Right. Right. Uh, versus when they joined us, they were basically not growing much and they were kind of flat and they had already burnt this equity. So and money so they wouldn't have been able to raise a lot right so their business might have been worth say you know a couple of million uh for a vc investor not a p right a p would have bought them at say half million sure right so uh so from a say a half million valuation at a p to a three million valuation at a p they've added two and a half million of value if they were to exit from a strategic yeah. perspective uh, if you think about it as at that point of time maybe they were at a two million valuation uh, they are now at a 15 million valuation. With Upeka today, so having having come that far and, and worked with a number of companies and all you're doing, and it started with you know you coming from Microsoft Accelerator to to do this. Who is the team behind this? You know, making this show run, making this happen to to really help founders. I'm curious about the team as well. Sure. So uh, you know, I'll just quickly tell you the mission of the team, right, and why that ties together. So for us, uh, all of all the co-founders and the rest of the team, uh, we've seen too many founders uh, sacrificed on the unicorn altar, right? So in the in the in the journey of uh, trying to create unicorns, um, so many founders we've seen have either gotten stuck or uh, been sacrificed, right, uh, by other forces, let's say. And so, uh, having seen that, my two other co-founders, uh, Shekhar Nair, uh, he actually uh, was part of a team that did an IPO in '99 uh, for a literally a couple of billion dollars with a B. Um, and my other co-founder actually built a product just like uh, a Vine or a Periscope today in uh, 2000, uh, I think nine for uh, unfortunately for Nokia phones. Uh, but still, uh, so we've all seen a lot of really good founders uh, build uh, really kick-ass products 
but then have uh, you know even when those products succeeded these founders didn't make so much money so that was a mission that kind of brought all of us together and so uh, shaker and rajan and uh, the other folks who work with us now all of us are driven by the same mission right so we are about uh, i think nine people now uh, and uh, yeah we just added uh, like i guess three people in the last six months so we were six in jan we are nine now for you then in this with the company with upeka now tell me about your role kind of day to day with the company as well so that's been shifting a lot uh, with covid and uh, the team coming together so i am now uh, kind of delegating a lot of the work in terms of uh, creating this uh, program running it as a program uh, the most recent thing is the application process so i used to run the application process uh, now uh, one of my other uh, partners who's joined he runs the application process completely on a day to day basis uh, i am trying to build uh, more relationships with stakeholders outside upeka i also own the Uh, business model for upeka itself which is uh, you know how do we generate revenue and how do we grow uh, at a you know longer kind of a time scale so i'm thinking about that i'm writing about that i'm uh, connecting with people outside upeka uh, who can help our startups uh, that is one part of it the other part of it is uh, you know i can i continue to work with all the founders a lot of the founders in upeka Uh, uh so we've kind of separated it out into um, different functional areas uh so for some of the startups on strategy for some of the startups on uh how do you get to the next 3x to the next 10x uh, those are some of the things that we work with uh we also help some of our startups with uh, strategic angel fundraise so when they're cash flow positive uh some of our startups have actually raised like a half million 700k uh, kind of a around purely for strategic reasons all the angels in this are either uh, their existing customers uh, people who can get them more customers or people who can get them uh, you know partnerships downstream with uh, much larger organizations in the same market uh, so we help them assemble i uh, have done uh, that work of you know connecting them to the right people to assemble that those kind of funding out so that's kind of what i do on a day to day basis uh longer term i mean with covid the last 6 months have been completely <laughs> insane right <laughs> i don't know what long term how has that been for you with covid yeah so covid uh, you know we kind of had a uh a, an off site uh planned in a, in a place called goa it's a beach uh, beach uh, area where all the founders you know pick at that time we were supposed to land up uh, for a weekend uh, to kind of uh, get to know each other better and also uh, plan the next quarter so we were meeting on march 9th for planning for the <laughs> april may june quarter <laughs> and uh, well uh, we had to cancel that uh, on the march 5th so uh, we did that and then so we we converted that into a digital uh, format on on march 10th and we basically scared the shit out of all our founders uh, saying uh, covid is coming because in india it had not hit yet right so in india everything was normal uh, until about march 20th so we basically told them to uh, go work from home from uh, march 10th uh, uh, there are uh, people who were um, uh, from different cities in india who were staying in bangalore so many of the startups actually sent them back to their hometowns uh to stay with their families all of that happened and uh, by april end uh, so we also made uh, asked many of them to uh, get advances from their customers uh give them this give customers discounts uh, do whatever it takes so that by the end of the Mar- end of march you've actually collected more money uh, than you would have otherwise so a lot of the startups did that uh, so kind of uh, deals for uh, discounts for annual uh, pricing that kind of thing uh so by uh, april uh, most of the startups had started <laughs> by mid april is when like it really hit right uh, and yeah. by by the time most of our startups were safe uh, four of the startups were unfortunately uh, in a bit of a cash flow issue uh, because they had not been able to react fast enough or their customers were already seeing uh, challenges so they couldn't pay them on time and stuff like that so for those four startups uh, the other startups in the uh, in the tribe literally stepped up and uh, within a week this was the last week of april uh, my uh, uh, the head of uh, founder experience at upeka his name is gokul he worked with all of them day and night uh, 
uh, figured out that they needed uh, about forty thousand uh, dollars of cash uh, to tide them over uh, for three months. Uh, and the senior tribe members, the founders in the tribe, uh, gave a interest-free loan uh, to these four startups uh, in the end of April, and so that basically saved their uh, saved them, right? Wow. Um, and uh, so this was literally cold hard cash. Uh, all everything was like nailed out in like four five days, and the money was in the bank uh, within a week. Um, and the best part is, uh, you know, three of those startups are doing really well now. Uh, they crossed the hump. They're cash flow positive month on month in uh, July. Um, one of them actually landed a $100,000 plus deal from a Fortune 500 company in the US uh, this month. I mean, uh, I think late late July. Um, and so <laughs> they wouldn't have been around if it uh, wasn't for <laughs> that uh, help, right? Yeah. How are you yeah. looking? How are you looking at? And you mentioned kind of your day to day activities, and you're looking at you know the growing of of Upeka itself. And I, one of the last things I'm wondering about, I know we'd wrap it up, is just how are you looking at the growth? How are you thinking about the growth of Upeka moving forward? So we our our mission, right? Literally, we want to help a thousand founders get meaningful financial outcomes by building what we call uh, value SaaS startups. So at least a thousand founders should each earn anywhere between a million dollars, ten million dollars, and above, uh, as an outcome, not just as some kind of paper money, right? Right. Uh, right. That's the goal for us, and uh, so the goal, that goal, uh, was uh, 2027, and now it's uh, probably going to be pushed a year or two. <laughs> I don't know uh, because of COVID. We'll see. Uh, maybe it'll be better for us. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But uh, so that means that we need to work with. Uh, you know, uh, uh, 10, 15, 20, 25 startups in every cohort uh, and uh, probably two cohorts every year now, which will become, say, four cohorts every year, three years from now. Uh, but mostly, immediately, it's about saying, hey, can we scope the program down such that in six months, uh, if 10 founders join us, if we can get six of them or seven of them to a value size flywheel where they are, clearly able to see that all the pieces of the flywheel are working and if they can get to becoming you know uh, break even ish then i think all of them can grow much faster right so really the real focus is can we get 10 good founders uh, 10 startups uh, say 20 good founders who are building b2b SaaS startups and help them with the f- building the f- initial flywheel in less than six months persona where can people go to learn more about upeka and, and all, all you're doing uh, so peka.io, uh, U-P-E-K-K-H-A.io. Uh, the application is at uh, U-P-E-K-K-H-A.io slash apply, A-P-P-L-Y. Perfect. And I'll be able, I'll be sure to link that all up in the show notes as well. So it'll be at justgogrind.com slash podcast. You can get the show notes for this episode. So we'll link up everything discussed in this episode. And thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you justgrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.